0: Good morning and welcome to another episode of Recipe for Success. My name is Nancy Giacalone and the purpose of this podcast, LinkedIn Live, whatever you want to call it, is really um, to tie in my love of cooking with my love of business and personal development and kind of a little bit of everything because the one thing that i have found is a common thread among all areas of life is that there's always a key ingredient or technique that is really critical to the outcome or success of whatever it is you're trying to do so i really love talking with innovators in in um, different spaces, whether it be insurance, health, wellness, personal development. And so today I'm really excited to welcome Don McFarlane, owner of M&M Benefit Solutions. Um, and with that, I am just going to toss it over to you real quick, Don, and let you introduce yourself. Tell everybody a little bit about you and your company.
1: Thank you, Nancy, and thank you for letting us have this conversation. I think it's important, like we were talking earlier, Medicare is a big topic in AEP coming up. So getting some information out is awesome. I'm a health insurance agent like you, except for I don't do the group benefit part. I do. Um, I help Medicare eligible individuals. I, I help people in the individual market as well as Covered California.
0: So is Covered California, um, do, do they have their own exchange like we do in our, the state or do they, are they part of the healthcare.gov one? It's their own exchange. Okay. Yeah. So in wa- the state of Washington, we also have our own, which makes things very interesting at times.
1: So curious, it, does Washington have more than one carrier option for the majority of individuals?
0: Oh yeah. We, I think we have six or seven.
1: It, that's what we're seeing. We have 12 options this year. They just released a couple of new plans came on the market. So California is doing pretty good in the individual space.
0: That's actually really exciting. Um, we have not seen uh, what carriers are going to be in yet. Um, we just got the notice that the training and announcements and everything are are finally available. So, all right, so um, let's kick it off. Um, you already told us that you specialize in Medicare and individual, but you own your own business. Did you always focus on Medicare and individual? And if so, what drew you to that?
1: So many transitions happened. I started um, in the voluntary space When I first got licensed in 2012 which was right around the ACA so lots of change happening in the industry actually a great time to enter because I was learning at the same pace that all of the veterans were learning with the new ACA rules and so I started in voluntary benefits and I didn't want to build a a big team Um, uh, so what I realized after a few years because in voluntary benefits you make the most money in the first year and then the renewal years my retention was super high, like in the high 90s. And so I was retaining all my clients, but like I said, I didn't wanna build a team. So me servicing all those clients in the retention, ultimately I couldn't drive new business. And it it was just not a good business model for what I wanted to do. In the meantime, I had served um, in, the, in the Association of Health Underwriters and I was the Los Angeles president When I was approached, they started doing all these Medicare summits, realizing that that was a segment in the industry that was underserved for agents and education. So as the Los Angeles, one of the biggest chapters in the nation, um, we were approached to also put on a Medicare summit to help Medicare agents in our area. I knew nothing about it. I remember when I was getting licensed, I did the, like, as much as I could possibly not remember to pass the test for (laughs) Medicare. I didn't, I was like, no, that's just way too complicated. Right. These summits, what I heard was so intriguing. The fact that there, have you ever heard of the blue ocean book? Um, Uh Yes. The fact that there were going to be so many people that needed help. So that's another thing that attracts me is uh, underserved. I, I want to be able to serve the people that don't get the attention that they need. So, so many people coming up that needed help. Um, the opportunity was ridiculous, but I still held on. I was like, no, I'm still going to, you know, I'm still going to service my business and I'm going to keep going. So it took about three years for me to um, finally make the jump. And I just jumped.
0: (laughs) Well, um, you have such a, you have such a warm and caring personality and heart that I can definitely see why that would translate really well into helping um, those that are, you know, reaching Medicare eligibility, because I, from my experience, and and we chatted a little bit about this off camera, um, I also work in the Medicare market. It's not my primary focus, but I do probably more than I intend to in, in that space. But I feel, and you may feel the same way, that most of the people that come into the office or I talk to on the phone or via Zoom, they're so scared of Medicare, because it's so different than what they're used to.
1: Yeah. And I think that that's that's your question is, why do we think people are afraid? Yeah. And I, I I really think it's because of all the information that's thrown out there. You know, when you get too much information, it just becomes overwhelming. So and then you have to decide what's the correct information. Hey, Joel, you have to decide what's, <laughs> what's the correct information there. Um, and so they have tons of marketing coming into there, it, it, tons of mail, emails phone calls that aren't supposed to happen. And then you watch the commercials that oh.
0: everything is free. free. <laughs> Which is a word they're not supposed to use. All uh, right, yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, I, I always would, um, when I was first working in Medicare and people would say, when they make an appointment, they'd say, well, I got all this stuff. I'm like, okay, we'll put it in a bag and bring it into, into my office. And then so they'd be- come in with this paper bag that was like this full of stuff. And I'm like, okay, here's your Medicare card. You keep that. Can I have the bag? And they like, okay. And I would throw it in the garbage. <laughs> and they would be like, what? What? I'm like, that's all advertisements. <laughs> let's talk about. Yep. I'm like, and I would always say, let's talk about you and let's let's get back to the basics. And then then if you could just feel the relief, relief. come over them.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, absolutely.
0: Okay, so um, we're gonna talk a little bit of specifics about Medicare because I think it's very confusing to a lot of people, especially those that are still working. Okay, so let's pretend, I don't have to pretend pretend very hard because it's not as far as I'd like it to be, but let's pretend that, um, yeah, Wellington, nothing is free. Isn't that the truth? Um, Let's pretend that I'm getting ready to turn age 65 within the next three or four months and I'm still working. What do I need to know and what do I have to do?
1: You need to know if you need to enroll in Part B, first of all. Part A's uh, oftentimes you're either automatically enrolled, but even then you need to check it. You know, if, if, it, if you know you need to enroll in Medicare because Medicare pays first in some instances, you need to make sure you're enrolled in Part A and Part B. So that's what you need to figure out.
0: Does so your, how, how do you know if you need to enroll in Part B if you're working for an employer? Ideally... If you talk
1: to your HR representative, they should be able to find out if they or, or let you know if their plan, um, if your company size is the right size that not, does not require you to enroll in Part B.
0: So as a general rule of thumb um, for anybody that needs to know, if your employer has 20 or fewer employees, generally you'll need to enroll in Part B. Again, that's general because there are specifics that um, can override that. But that's the thing to, to keep in mind. So, if you know if you work for a smaller employer, you definitely need to talk to somebody and find out uh, what the requirements are.
1: You know, funny situation that literally just came up yesterday. Um, a, a group agent called me and said, "So, I have Medicare saying it, the the employee had both Medicare and the group plan. The group is over twenty employees, so technically Part B is not." necessarily if the group plan um is credible coverage and don't and before you make that decision anybody please talk to an agent That it it doesn't cost anything to get the advice and they can kind of give you the good guidance because part b can have a lifetime penalty that's just a little caveat Mm -hmm. so what happened was um because they had both medicare and the group plan they the, the medicare somehow paid first which is not when you're in when you are in a larger group. It's actually the employer plan that's supposed to pay first. So those things can, those things are what can get confused, and you might need a little guidance on to make sure it's it's about primary and secondary payer. And your agent can help you resolve all of those issues.
0: Okay, so I'm I work for a smaller employer. I'm turning sixty five. I know I need to get enrolled in Part B, but I'm not drawing Social Security. So what do I need to do? apply
1: for Part B and, not, and you're gonna to have to pay the invoice on a quarterly basis. So um, Social Security will send you an invoice. If you're not drawing Social Security, they'll send you an invoice for your Part B premium.
0: How, where do I go to apply? Yeah,
1: on the Social Security website.
0: Okay, so key, the easiest and quickest way. key tip to anybody that happens to be listening, if you go to apply for Medicare online, if you go to Medicare.gov.gov, super important. You need to have that .gov because if you go to Medicare.com, you're going to land on some spammy um, sales site, and the agents are going to be calling you nonstop. So be very careful. If there's not a place that says "Sign up here for Medicare," you're on the you're in the wrong place. So um, that is that's just one little tip. Okay, so I get my Medicare card. What do I do now?
1: So again, it depends on what your employer plan looks like. Um, sometimes it makes sense to look at it at something that you're going to pay for yourself with a supplement or a Medicare Advantage plan. And sometimes it makes sense to stay on the group plan, which will act as your supplement, because we all know that parts A and part B cover 80% of your expenses. That leaves you responsible for 20% in your prescription drugs. Prescription drugs is kind of, especially in the employer market, if, you're, if your group plan is, um, is covering your prescription drugs and you maybe have some pretty expensive ones, it might make sense to stay on the group plan. If you, um, on the flip side, if your group is only offering maybe a bronze level plan and HMO and you're restricted in network, it might make sense to look at an option outside of the group plan.
0: So um, Medicare and insurance in general, we absolutely love our acronyms. We throw them around like Great. alphabet soup. It's crazy. And Medicare in particular, you wouldn't want to go through the recertification every year. I'm like, OK, there are 16 different acronyms in the same sentence. What <laughs> am I reading? But um, OK, so let's think about this again. I'm working. I'm a 65. I signed up for Part B. I'm good. I'm gonna stay, I, I think I want to stay on my group plan because I just want to stay on my group plan. I don't have any real good solid reason. Are there any potential downfalls in the future for me if I stay on the employer's group plan?
1: Depending if it's credible, if it, if it, if your group plan's considered credible coverage, I don't. and you're not worried about any Part B penalties because you already have Part B, I don't see any necessary downfalls um, I'd be curious to see if you think there are downfalls to stay on the group plan in that scenario.
0: Uh, no, just that, again, when we speak about alphabet soup, you have your initial election period, which is when you turn 65, to enroll in a Medicare supplement or a Medicare Advantage plan. So that goes away if you stay on your group plan. But then you have something called a special election period, which is a little bit different. And so you need to be very cognizant if you're coming off group plan to be planning ahead so that you can have no gap in coverage and not miss that opportunity to make an election. So that's and, my two cents.
1: Well, and, and good point in guarantee issue, because in those different periods, your initial period, you have a seven month window to make a decision. And then in your special enrollment period maybe a little less time so that's a good point it's making sure you understand the deadlines
0: okay so let's talk about the crazy medicare part d so inappropriately named let me just put it that way because (laughs) you do not buy it from medicare you buy it from an insurance company so um explain to people a little bit about what that is why they need it or don't need it for that matter
1: uh so it's a prescription drug plan and it's interesting when I advise a client of whether they need it or not, if it's someone who doesn't take prescriptions, because there's also something called Irma. And oftentimes mm-hmm. the clients that I work with, their income, Irma is based on income and higher income earners will pay a higher dollar amount. So a prescription drug plan can range anywhere between what, 750 and yep. up to $100. $100, yeah. Yeah. Depending on what kind of prescriptions you're um, needing to get covered. So if if you ha- if you take prescriptions regularly, my recommendation would be you need a prescription drug plan. Um, if you don't take any prescriptions and Irma's not applied, I usually recommend that you get the most inexpensive drug plan because there's a Part D penalty of one percent that gets added on for the life for your for the life of Part D it, for how one percent for every month you didn't have it that you were eligible to have it.
0: Right. So one year equals 12%. Two years equals 24%. Three years equals 36%. I mean, it's pretty easy to do the math on it. And that penalty is a lifetime penalty. So again, really important to be thinking about that is, um, again, of course, we do have the, the income adjustments. But if there's no income surcharge, and you're just looking at is it worth it for me to pay seven dollars and fifteen cents a month for a year when I'm not currently taking any medication? The answer would generally be yes, um, because you do avoid any future penalties. And heck, if something happens and you need to get a prescription, then you have you have coverage for it. So it can it can definitely be um, uh, super helpful. Okay, so um, one another Medicare question for you: What's the difference between Medicare Advantage? And a Medicare supplement or Medigap or Medicare bridge or whatever other 27 names they like to attach to that.
1: (laughs) I think I was the most confused when I was learning it. Like I got Medicare Advantage, but Medicare supplements, what confused me the most because it is, it it operates completely different than what we're used to in that you no longer have a network. The only thing you have to worry about is that the doctor takes Medicare for payment and 90% of doctors across the U.S. take Medicare for payment. And that's an old statistic. It may be more than that now. Mm-hmm. So a supplement is something that gives you greater access to more doctors and you can go across the country and go from state, it doesn't matter as long as the doctor takes Medicare for payment. It also has no copays when you go see the doctor. So depending on what plan you have and what deductibles apply, you don't pay anything when, after you, when you go, go to receive service. The Medicare Advantage plans operate more more like what you're used to in that you do have networks to stay in and there's co-pays, um, a schedule of co-pays based on the services you receive.
0: So one of the ways that I always like to think of it and explain it to people is that Medicare a Medicare supplement lays on top of Medicare and wraps around it. it for the most part, it picks up, depending on which plan you choose, it picks up the your your exposure for Medicare covered expenses. So it wraps around it. A Medicare Advantage plan, on the other hand, essentially takes over for Medicare and you only have one card. And then again, like you say, it works very much like the insurance we're most used to co-payments um, in some cases, deductibles, etc. And a Medicare Advantage can also add in extras where a Medicare supplement can't. So you'll sometimes have hearing aid benefits, vision, dental, other yeah. little perks.
1: You know what's interesting, Nancy? At least in California, and that is my market. California is my market. So and every state's different. That's exactly why I stay in California as my market because I don't I don't know networks in other states. I feel like that's all part of the advising process. Mm-hmm. But we do have extra benefits on some of our supplement products.
0: Oh really? Yeah, so such as
1: hearing, vision. Um, chiropractic even on one of them. And they call it like it's the G extra or the innovative. It's a different product name, but it has some extra benefits. They're trying to compete a little bit.
0: That's super interesting. That's not something that, um, uh, that we currently have in our state. Okay. So, so full disclosure, Judy Woodall Turner happens to be my mom. So, (laughs) so she wants to know in your opinion, which is better a Medicare advantage or a Medicare supplement?
1: I feel like it really is, so it's a personal decision and a financial decision. Medicare Advantage plans are really inexpensive. So I always advise a client um, at the beginning, what we're looking at is Mm long-term. And if you're looking at long-term, if you're gonna move around a lot, if you're gonna go live somewhere else for six months, if you're gonna do things that cause you to need to go to different states, you're really going to want to look at a supplement. If you also have a chronic condition or something you haven't figured out yet um, that you may need to see specialists and you don't want to deal with the networks and you want to be able to to really um, possibly solve that with specialists, a supplement's going to be a better choice.
0: So another consideration with regards to that question is when you're initially eligible for Medicare and you're making that choice for the first time, you can get, you can at least, again, in my state, maybe different in California, but in in the state of Washington, you can choose a Medicare supplement policy with guarantee issue. In other words, no medical questions, you're going to be accepted, um, which is the same with with a Medicare Advantage. But after that initial election period, unless there's something special, you will have to fill out a health questionnaire if you want to go on to a Medicare supplement. And that, quite frankly, the underwriting is pretty strict to get onto those. So. If you took that Medicare Advantage plan to start with because it was inexpensive, you're like, this is great. And three years down the road, your doctor says, oh, you know, there's something that, you know, we have concerns about. We're going to need to do surgery. And you call me up and say, it's time for me to get on that supplement plan now because I need 100% coverage. More than likely, you will not be accepted. So it's always really important to think about your situation, your financial position. And again, like you say, what are your goals? A Medicare Advantage plan, you can change it every single year yep. during the annual election period. Medicare supplements are a little more strict as far as what you can and can't do.
1: Yep. And there's a trial, right? The 12-month trial, right? For most. Yep. So if you, if you did choose a Medicare Advantage plan, you have 12 months. I'd say the first 12 months is where you test whatever you want to test. Exactly. Before you have to make a final decision
0: without worrying about um, any pre-existing conditions. Yep, exactly. Um, Great point. So as Don (laughs) mentioned, there is a 12 month, we'll call it a trial period. If you choose a Medicare Advantage plan and you don't like it, you can get on to a Medicare supplement. There's a very specific question that is asked about that and it will qualify you to skip those medical questions. Okay, let's see. I'm deciding whether I'm gonna go off script. yes I am so <laughs> all right before we talk about health underwriters, let's talk about your four-legged friends. I know oh, you yeah. I know you have at least one so tell me about your furry family.
1: I have three dogs and two cats in my house and then I have one cat we have one cat who, since she was a baby she doesn't like to come inside but she was like a stray in the neighborhood and so we started feeding her and now she's kind of our outside cat <laughs> our two we have two older dogs Um, uh, one is a great pyrenees and my husband swears he's part wolf but i don't <laughs> i don't know i don't see it you he's ginormous though. yeah he's ginormous and he's 14 going on 15 which is crazy. that's really
0: old for a big dog like that
1: i know and the poor guy like has arthritis to like he could barely bend his back legs but he still like lopes around so happily that's you know great. so he yeah he's he's still ha- happily kicking and then we have a doby lab well she looks doby to me doby lab mix who's uh just a year younger than that and then my baby is if you, if you follow me at all, you'll know Baxter, the healing husky.
0: <laughs> I know that. So, and I happened to see him with a birthday hat on yesterday, which, yeah. which made me think I need to definitely talk about the dogs.
1: He just turned three years old. So originally I um, had wanted to, I've always wanted to do, have a therapy dog where I can go into like hospitals mm-hmm. or whatever, because I think it is so healing. I wanted Baxter to be that dog. I don't think he's that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness. That's so funny. Um, I, well, as you know, I have three dogs as well. And I, same thing. I really wanted to have one that I thought I could do that with. I don't, I don't think any of them really have that, (laughs) have that gene. And I see him, I'm like, Oh, I wish that could be my dog. No, my dog's bouncing around. And exactly. Or,
1: or mine go he, Gets nervous. We were taking a walk. I don't know how much time we have to go through. It's this plenty ride. of time. Okay, so we were taking a walk, and this little girl comes, and this is when he was like not even a year old yet. This little girl comes running down our driveway and wants to see him, and he got really excited and just flopped over on his back and let her bet his belly, and he peed on her. Like, and, and she did. Screamed that. like she was so upset about it. I think it traumatized him because he's really good with kids before. Now he freaks out when he sees children. So.
0: That's I know. <laughs> poor things, poor things. Okay. So we know you like helping people with individual and Medicare. We know you love helping animals. You want to do therapy dogs. So clearly it's an easy transition into all the wonderful service you do for our professional organization, which is the National Association of Health Underwriters. So tell us a little bit about your involvement, why you're passionate about it and what you do.
1: Sometimes I think people think I'm crazy about (laughs) Nahu and kind of I am. It was my place where I, when I started in this industry, this industry is not easy to figure out. And when I started in this industry, it was a place for me to learn and grow. Then what happened was I developed relationships and people started taking me under their wing and really grew me as a leader at the same time. And then as I continue to get more involved, the things that we do, I love to be some part of something bigger than myself that's going to make a positive impact. Right. And I just I think I'm so vocal about it because I feel like there's so many people that are not members, even if you don't 100 percent agree with what's going on now. If you want a voice in this industry, that's the association to be a part of so that we can make the changes that should happen in our in the industry. We are the ones that work with people on the streets, So we are the ones best informed to help guide how the health in, health in, industry goes.
0: Yeah, I've been a member for 30 plus years, you know, back back when I was younger and had more energy. I went through the chairs of the local chapter and did did all of that. And, and now I kind of support with my checkbook more than with my <laughs> with my my physical time. But I do, um, I agree with you. I think it's so important. And, and I think um, not who's good at this, but I still think there's room for improvement as far as mentorship in this industry, um, across the industry. I think there's not enough opportunities for people that want to learn and want to grow to be possibly paired with somebody that can help bring them along. That's something I have a a real passion for.
1: So funny that you mentioned that. Emma Fox is this year's current chapter leadership and development chair. And I think Keith was last year and they did create a an actual mentoring pairing system. Nice. So you can do an application, it's on nahu.org. You have to be a member to get paired, oh. um, but you can do an application to get paired with an expert. Uh, there are volunteers that have already signed up.
0: That's wonderful. I think that was that was sorely needed. Okay, let's see. Okay, my last question before we get into the, the my little fun questions. Since you work so closely with um, the senior population, because that's the Medicare eligible population, I'd like to talk for just a second about the impact that COVID has had on the seniors. Um, as far as isolation, decision making, um, just what are you seeing, you know, from your personal experience?
1: So most of my clients, because I am newer to Medicare and I've worked with brokers for the majority of my life, most of my life in insurance, um, most of my clients are either still working or just retired. So they're, they're pretty computer savvy. It, the digital divide, they're calling it a digital divide, um, is not so prevalent in the market that I'm in the, in the people that I'm particularly serving. However, there are a few um, that I've come across, especially in 2020, where, I, first of all, I'm seeing a lot of fear, obviously. I, they're, even to the point of grocery, already it's an issue. Food is an issue for seniors in general. Um, and scarcity and and not being able to cook for themselves and all of those things add to the fact that they're afraid to be around anyone for germs. that. So deliveries may or may not be okay for them. That's probably one major thing that I've seen. Telemedicine, the use of telemedicine, which is actually better. Um, it, it, what that did was open up. It's hard for a lot of seniors to get places sometimes, so they won't go to the doctor. Right, right. Now that they trust telemedicine a little bit better, that might actually be an improvement. Um, but, for the, but on the flip side, I also saw a willingness to learn which for me, I I think that's amazing because that also opens up the opportunity for these homebound individuals to potentially connect with someone on Zoom now that they know how and they're not afraid of it because they had to, they can connect in different ways. So those are the major things I'm experiencing. What'd you see?
0: I love that. Now, for the most part, um, Everybody was a little leery about it at first. When I'm like, "No, I can't actually have an in-person meeting with you. I'm willing to do Zoom," and it was, you know, we would have to laugh and fumble our way through the beginning with some of the meetings until they could, like, "No, the button <laughs> in the left-hand corner, <laughs> click the camera." Did you get so good at Zoom, or what? <laughs> I was so good at Zoom, but um, it, it was it was good, and I did feel that. Um, you know, you're you're right. I did feel a big willingness to learn and people wanted to be connected. I guess the thing that I saw more than anything else was um, the isolation that so many seniors faced and the impact on their mental health and happiness and really no one to talk to about it. So I know that anytime I got on a call with them, We talked for a long time because they were so desperate for a connection, and and that really made me. That makes me sad that you know they're so isolated like that. And um, I see my my mom put on there. Yep, I mean I know. I mean I know my mom is in that was in that category and really had to be very isolated for a long time. And you know um, she has a dog, so you know fortunately she at least had that companionship. But. I I really did feel that from a lot of people was just a sadness that wasn't there before. Yeah.
1: Yeah, for sure. Well, I even actually felt that before the pandemic. I feel like that's a major, it's actually a major problem because people are busy in life now. And so even family members aren't, it's not, they may not see someone for
0: months at a time. Right. Right. No, I agree. All righty. So here we get, now we get to go to my five burning questions as I call them. Everybody gets them, I mix them up a little bit, but we always start out with the first one, which is what is your favorite food in the world and can you cook it?
1: That was really hard for me to think about because I don't know that one thing is my favorite. So I asked my husband and he immediately said scallops, which I do love, Um, but macadamia crusted halibut at one particular restaurant is probably, like, if I had to think of anything I'd want at any time, I'd always say that.
0: Can you make it? Never tried. Oh, it's not hard. Um, No, no, it's not. But I do love scallops, too. I was, was, as you were saying, I'm like, I like so many foods, but I think I would probably choose scallops if I had to choose one thing. Okay. Because it's the thing I order most often in restaurants. Okay. Okay, so what is the one character trait you most admire in other people and why?
1: I think I I thought about that differently honesty is the thing I value the most but confidence is probably the thing I admire most
0: that's a great that's a great answer I love that you're right because there are there are actually two two sides of the same coin but I, I understand where you're coming from that okay so what's the one character trait you feel you possess that you're most proud of and why
1: I, <clears throat> um, inclusiveness, I guess, just that I really, I never want someone to feel like they didn't matter in any situation.
0: I love that. To me, you always exude a great sense of compassion as well.
1: Thank so you. I think
0: that that really those those tie in together. Okay, so where's the one place in the world you would most like to travel to, and why?
1: brazil was always on my bucket list always and i don't know why because maybe because nobody else said it when i was a kid that like that would not be a name that came up but last year i was supposed to go to france for the first time and obviously that didn't happen so right now i'm itching to go check out europe and then i want to go to greece and then so the list i want to travel (laughs)
0: Yeah, the list is long. The list is long. But we'll start. We'll start with France, since that one was 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 uh, postponed. And then second would be probably Brazil for you. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And I
1: don't know if you know Sam Smith, but it, or if you've seen, he's built this crazy beautiful um, bed and breakfast. There are different homes in Brazil. That's I think that's actually where I want to go.
0: Oh, I'll have to check that out. That you sounds amazing. To. Sounds amazing. Okay. So, what is your secret talent? Or something people would be surprised to learn about you.
1: I'm an open book, so I'm not sure anybody would be surprised by any of this, um, anything that I would say. I would say, though, that I'm pretty good at finding the right seat on the bus for people. Mostly because I, I listen to what their passion is. I feel like if you put someone in a position or, or find where they fit, they're going to do really well because they're passionate about it.
0: I love it. Okay. Last question. So who's the one person um, that you follow on LinkedIn that you would most like to meet in real life, sit down, share a meal with, and if it's not LinkedIn, maybe a podcast host or something along those lines.
1: I've been really fortunate. Most, a lot of my LinkedIn connections I've been able to meet, maybe not in person. Actually this last year, I have made a lot of new, such as yourself. I would love to sit down and have a meal with you. we can make scallops. Yes, um,
0: absolutely. And <laughs> macadamia crust for the appetizer and the halibut for the main course. <laughs> I love it.
1: Yeah. I love it. Um, Brené Brown, though, would be oh. someone I would really, I, I would just
0: really love to have a conversation with her. That would be pretty phenomenal. Pretty phenomenal. I love it. Okay. Well, so we've made it to the end of our time together. Is Are there any um, parting words of wisdom you'd like to share with our audience about Medicare, things that they need to know? Um, going into this annual election period? I
1: would say just find an agent. And there is a tool on nahu.org and as a Nancy, ahu.org. It's the find an agent tool. It can search by specialty. It can search by location. So find an agent to help guide you through. It doesn't cost anything to talk to them.
0: And probably don't take that call from somebody that's calling you when they're not supposed to. Oh, that's really good. Oh, man, I should have said that first. (laughs) Let me just throw that one in there as well. So, And don't believe everything you see on TV. So I'll just add add those two caveats. But no, definitely find a trusted agent. If you're in California, please reach out to Dawn. Um, She's phenomenal. She will take very, very good care of you. It's been an absolute delight having you on today, Dawn. And um, to the audience, until next week, make it a great day. Thank you, Nancy. Thank you, Dawn.